The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. What do you want? Do you know what you want? How many times do we even actually consider what we want? Aren't we taught to ignore our wants in favor of all the shoulds and oughts and have-tos? But what if you were to learn that your desires are the closest thing to the divine within you? In fact, one of the ancient root words for the divine means desire. But how do we know what we want with all the shoulds, ought-tos, and have-tos and obligations of everyday living to sort through? How do we know when it's real desire as opposed to a compulsion or an ego aggrandizement? And if we start paying attention to our desires, aren't people going to think we're selfish? Stay here for this today. You're going to want to hear this. It's important stuff. Because I think we live in a society in which uh, putting ourselves last is, uh, we're taught to sort of put ourselves last on the one hand. On the other hand, if you want to get ahead, you have to put yourself first. So we're kind of in a double bind where we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. So you know what a double bind is. It's like if you're driving down the street and and you read a sign that says don't read this sign in, uh, in uh, under penalty of law. So you know you, you obviously you're reading signs because that's the law. But if you read the sign and it says you're going to get arrested for reading the sign, then you're in a double bind. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, double binds used to be considered to be the cause of schizophrenia many years ago. And, of course, that theory went the way of all bad theories. But but the idea t- is telling in that uh, double binds are considered to be uh, – were once considered to be the cause of the most devastating mental illness known to man. So um, – Double binds are no small thing to consider, and we are constantly in double binds. One one of the double binds we're in is, just as I said, don't you know? Don't think about yourself. Put yourself last. Put put your children first. Put your wife or your husband first. Put your job first. Put this first. Put other people first. Um, and then on the other hand, we're taught that if you really want to get ahead, you got to put yourself first. Um, and every now and then, we're taught that if we take care of ourselves then you know that that's a kind of way of putting yourself first but only so you can sort of sharpen up that tool that you are to serve others so this whole thing about desire is filled with all kinds of traps Um, when we when we fall into desire and we catch ourselves daydreaming what happens is we're actually in a close um dynamic, if you will, with the divine within us. So 
you know that uh, I believe, and uh, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that I believe that we are divine beings, actually, and we've just forgotten that. And because we've forgotten it, we live out of the duality trance state in which we think that we are uh, either bad or good based on our behavior or our thoughts or, you know, whatevers. And we're always measuring our worth to see whether or not we're good enough. And that is not living as the divine. And Jesus was one example of a person who lived fully aware of his divine nature. There's others, the Buddha, Krishna. There's many others down through history that have shown us this divine nature and what it looks like. The Buddha uh, talked about the Buddha, well, he didn't talk about it. His followers talked about the Buddha nature, what it is to have the Buddha nature. And the Buddha actually said one of the things he knew about the the Buddha nature was that um, when he looked for himself and could not find it, he knew he was in the Buddha nature. So, uh, interestingly enough, uh, what that says is, I know that I am when I find that I'm not, because I am. <laughs> which is a, one of those Zen, uh, could be a Zen cone, because uh, what it's basically saying is that uh, the I am that we are isn't the identity. And that's how I sort of designate those two. The, the person that I think I am very often amounts to an identity that I put on as a child in order to help me cope with my life, whatever that life was, my family, my uh, family's issues, etc., uh, and in the, in that process of putting on that identity, I wore it and wore it and wore it and wore it until I you know, convinced myself that that's exactly who I was. So when I go to describe myself to somebody, that's what I describe. You know, I hear I heard somebody say just the other day that, um, well, that's just the way I am. I'm just kind of a sacrificing person. Well, I don't know whether that's the way that is or not, whether that person was or not. I don't really know whether that person was that way or not, but but. You know, I don't, what I don't know is whether that person is describing an identity, something he, he or she put on to, to cope with childhood or the family in which he or she lived, or if it is the authentic self. And what I say is that when we've tapped into the authentic self, there's peace. And as we're going to learn today, there is the fulfillment of desire. Okay, so, so what is desire? What is, uh, is it a compulsion? Is it, I want another beer, please, when I'm an alcoholic? No. Or is it another beer, please, even if I'm not an alcoholic and I've already had five? No. <laughs> uh, is desire uh, my own need to become a CEO of an organization? Am I really just running from a past of poverty? Is that what it's all about? Or is it really a soul desire? Uh, so these are the things that, you know, sort of interfere with our capacity to understand our own desires. Not only that, but I hear so many people say today, you know, if you if you leave me alone on a Saturday and ask me what I want to do, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you because um, I don't know what is my desire and what it isn't. Um, so if i'm if i'm trying to uh, determine what it is that i want if i'm so busy living in my identity it's going to be harder for me to shut off that identity on a saturday and figure out what it is that i want um, do i want coffee or tea do i want a pickle or do i want a hot dog do i you know those are the little bitty things that we might have to ask ourselves that have only to do with things like taste what about um i want a new career or I want more time to do the things that I love. Or, or what about I, I want to have peace of mind. 
I talk to people all the time, uh, and you may have heard me say this before, but I think it's worthy a worthy example again, uh, that if... Uh, you ask someone what they want. They might say, well, I want to win the lottery. And you ask them, well, what? Okay, let's say you've won the lottery. And now what have you done with it? You know, it's been five months since you won the lottery. What have you done? Well, I've, you know, paid off my children's debts and I've paid off my bills and I've traveled some. And, you know, I've, I've decided I'm going to get a house somewhere that I really want. And, okay, so now you've done those things. What do you have now? Well, I have peace of mind. Well, that's what you were really looking for. The lottery was just the means to the end, okay? So uh, when we talk about money, it's very often that. I want money. Well, why do you want money? Well, I want money because it gets me X, Y, and Z. Oh, well, that's what you really want. Can you get yourself that without having to get the, go to the money first? Maybe, maybe not. So there's lots of ways to think about desire, but the most important thing to think about with regard to desire is that it is an important thing to think about. Why? Because when we touch desire, when we even touch the hem of the garment of desire, what we're touching is our deepest divine nature. Because our deepest divine nature is made up of desire. And I don't mean desire that's unfulfilled. I'm not talking about that I've got to have it, I'm not, I don't have it, so I've got to have it. No, desire is is when it, when it is in the divine nature, it is the, the absolute appreciation of the things that we have and the things that we are going to have or are working toward. It is an absolute passion for those things that we are uh, headed for and already have. So do I desire the house that I live in now? Well, somebody would say, well, no, you already have that, so you can't desire that. No. I desire the house I have now because I love the house that I have now, so I'm desiring it. So you see, that's how that works. It's not just about what we don't have. It's not just about lack. It's also about the things that we do have or we recognize that we have. So so all of that has to be considered when we think about the whole premise of desire. What is that about? What is desire really all about? And what does it do for us? Well, if we listen to some people, um, and, our, and some of those are our spiritual leaders, who will tell us that we, uh, that we need to monitor our thoughts so that we can have our desires. We can never think anything negative, uh, because if we do, it might interfere with our ability to attain our desires. This is one of the older versions of the law of attraction. Actually, I believe that's utterly false, because when... If we never have a negative thought or a negative feeling, quote-unquote, whatever negative means, um, then we don't feel the longing for something that we need. So if I'm, if I'm not ever going to allow myself any negative thoughts, then I'm probably not going to recognize that I'm not in a job that makes me happy. If I don't ever recognize that I have some negative thoughts, I'm probably not going to recognize that this relationship that I'm in is not working for me. Um, do you see that's that's what we're talking about? We're talking about the the capacity to r- run the gamut, the range of our feelings, and not be afraid of them. We've been taught to divide ourselves up into negatives and positives, and we can have negative thoughts and positive thoughts. And the positive ones are good, and, and they'll get us good things. And the negative ones are bad, and they're going to get us bad things. I'm not so sure that that's true. I think that uh, all of our thoughts and our feelings are just thoughts and feelings. Thoughts come and they go. And just like people, the, we are taught about meditation, you can sit and meditate and let your thoughts just slide by. 
You're not deciding whether they're negative or positive. They're just coming and going. Well, that's what they do all day, every day. And many of our thoughts are based in an identity. So if I believe that uh, my identity, uh, if I believe that I'm a person who must be good all the time, I must be sacrificing for other people in order to feel like a good person, then uh, that's what I'm, my thoughts are going to be about. My thoughts are going to be about what do I need to do, what do I need to do to make this, make myself a good person. Now, I might not even realize that I'm trying to make myself a good person. I'm probably just thinking this is how I am. This is the way I am. But I do recognize the tension that happens when somebody asks me for something that I don't want to give, and yet I feel like I should give it to them because that is what I do to prove to myself that I'm a good person. So that tension might actually help me to come to terms with the fact that I'm not being authentic in that moment when I give what's not really true in me to give. Um, and so that, that people might say, well, that tension is negative. Well, no, it's not. It's an, it's a, an awareness. It's, it's a feeling that comes up from me to tell me more about me and about my life. So when we're, when we're talking about this whole thing of negative and positive, we sort of have to put that aside when it comes to looking at desires because they, the idea of splitting ourselves off into two uh, ever-broadening categories of good and bad or negative and positive interferes with our capacity to find out what we really want. It interferes with our capacity to find out pretty much anything about ourselves because we're so busy plasticizing our, our thoughts and our feelings into categories. We're, we're making our, our thoughts and our feelings into objects that can be moved into categories. And that's a mental process that has nothing to do with soulfulness. Um, so, so that whole process of uh, negative and positive really must be thrown out if we're going to talk about desire. Um, and, and the next thing that really must be thrown out if we're going to talk about desire is the idea that thinking about desire makes us selfish people. Um, so if you've read Inhabiting Heaven Now, you, there's a whole section in the front of that book that talks about the various codes for our living. And one of those codes is don't be selfish. That we're supposed to, We have this kind of societal, cultural, familial uh, rule that says don't be selfish. And, of course, that means anything from thinking about yourself in the slightest little bit to not doing what your grandmother wants you to do on a Saturday when you really had other plans. So, you know, it runs the gamut. Uh, so what is selfish and what isn't selfish is determinable by your family of origin. It's how you got raised. Uh, so that's A. So that means that selfish can't really be defined. And B... Uh, the idea of being selfless is supposedly the goal. We're supposed to be selfless, but if I'm selfless, I don't have a self. And if I don't have a self, then who am I? Okay, now, uh, there are people that would say that, well, you're not supposed to have a self. You're supposed to be one with all things. And I would say that the self, and, and Buddha, the Buddha said this too, that the self that... Uh, um, I'm not going to quote the Buddha exactly on this, but the self that is without I am is selfless. In other words, doesn't have a self. In other words, it's an identity. But the self that is I am is this, uh, the self that is no self. So it's an interesting, uh, again, an interesting paradigm and, and sort of a Zen cone that's a paradoxical in nature that we can be the I am, the I am that I am, and yet not be the identity that we think we are. Um, and that so 
so when we talk about selfishness, uh, we might be talking about um, something that is so hard to define and wrap our heads around that uh, it could include almost all, all of our behaviors. I mean, I even had someone ask the question, is compassion not self-interest in some form? Um, you know, so, so that whole thing, come, we, could, we could get everything in the world down to, that's selfish. Why? Because we cannot absent ourselves to be in something else. We cannot send ourselves away into another room while we are compassionate. We cannot send ourselves away into another um, time zone while we are giving something to someone else we're always there in the giving. We're always getting something every time we give. And that's one of the beauties of it and why it can be such a rich experience because if I give something to you, genuinely give it to you, then it probably gives me joy if you're delighted in it. And, you know, if I give you something that you're not uh, delighted in, then the giving itself is my gift back to me. So it, this this whole thing is very, very murky and muddy when it comes down to being able to define selfishness and to define um, how to be alive without also being invested in the self. So our self-investment is going to be very, very important to the continuation of this topic today, um, how, how we are invested in the self that is the I am um, the self that is the identity will help us get there, so we don't want to send it away either. Um, everything is everything in our lives is heading us toward the I am that I am. Um, people talk about the psyche leaning toward wholeness all the time, and I believe that's really true, that the psyche is always looking for wholeness. That's another way of saying the same thing I'm saying, only mine has a more transpersonal viewpoint, which is that everything that in my life is pushing me toward becoming more aware of who I am as a divine being. And that's the true law of attraction, that I'm attracted to and by all those things, people, places, circumstances, and events, which will make me ever more aware of who I am as a divine being. Those are the things that we're attracted to because it's the soul that actually gets us involved in, in, in things. And, and sometimes when the identity steps in, it's still the soul using what's, what's presented by the identity to bring us to closer awareness of who we are as divine beings. There's just no way to fail at that. And, and so if you've listened to the show, you know uh, about that, that idea that we cannot fail in any given life. So we are free to experience and experiment with our desires and understand ourselves more freely as desire itself, as the passion of life itself. That's what desire is. It's the passion of life itself, that I'm here, that I'm alive, that I can experience all of life in all of its fullness and really appreciate that, whether it's happiness, sadness, anger, whatever, I can really appreciate all of it because it's all a part of that living experience that is desire itself. Live, desire and life could also mean uh, be synonymous terms as well if you think about life in its highest, most essential term that it, it is it is the the sort of energy of beingness and and so desire is that energy of beingness that says uh, I'm here and I, I'm alive and I want to experience all of life that that is desire and that 
is the divine. So, so when we're talking about desire, we're talking about something very, very, very sacred. And yet, we've been taught that we should put that away in favor of loyalty to the shoulds, ought tos, and have tos. And that's right where we're going to start up right after the break. So stay tuned for more right after this. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back. And you know, most of you know that the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. Today, the college, as in the past month, has been announcing its uh, 2014 curriculum, which you're going to find pretty interesting if you go online at www.aiht.edu. 
the college is not offering you a great is now offering you a greater variety of programs and more in-depth studies of the courses you choose. You already know that you can get a master's, a doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree at AIC, but now at the doctoral level, we offer not only a PhD in all of our programs, but we offer a doctor of ministry degree in all of our programs as well. And in the holistic theology program, you can get a doctor of theology degree as well. But that's not all. The programs themselves have changed too. Now you can get a degree in holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. And that's still not all. Now we've added more depth to your education by offering a greater number of courses that start at the introductory level and move all the way to the advanced level. For example, in the Holistic Theology program, you can take Judaism 1, 2, and 3, with each level offering a greater depth of understanding. Or in the Parapsychology program, you can take Psychic Skills 1, 2, and 3. Those are just a few of the examples. You can get the whole picture, again, by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to our admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find that mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality. Utilizing as your text writing teacher spiritual experts from all over the world, the coursework allows students to explore and find their own spiritual experience and path, as well as to become credentialed to bring their own unique gift to the world. So AIHT is changing the world one student at a time. You want to know more? Go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, that's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we've been talking about this whole thing of desire, and we've covered a lot of turf in that first segment. So I want to... uh, Start where we stopped. We talked about the whole idea of of uh, selfishness and what it is to be fully alive, and yet we're being told that uh, to in, that if desire is that sacred, fully alive to our deepest essence, essential core feeling, why is it that society is telling us to put our desires on the back burner, to put our wants somewhere else where no they can't be seen, so you can operate only out of the shoulds and the ought tos and the have tos. Well, I'm going to explain historically just very briefly how that came to be. When we hit the age of reason, we decided that, the, that reason, intellect, mental activity was the best way to, to run our lives so that we should not be involved in the passionate upside of our lives and we should not go there because it wasn't safe. Because we had these rules of like, you know, you get married, you stay married. Uh, you get a job, you t- stay there. You, you, um, if you have a child out of wedlock, then that child is forever doomed to be sort of uh, put in a cast of uh, where they can't get ahead and they're, they're, they're the bastards of life and they don't really, can't really get much honor or integrity unless they hide that from the world. So what happened in the age of reason was a lot of secrecy. Anything that happened that was out of the realm of reason uh, was was kept a secret. So people were having affairs all the time in their in their marriages, and yet nobody wanted to talk about that because 
we live in a society where everybody gets married and stays married, and that's how it is. So we put on the face, we wear the mask and costume, and we say things are wonderful when they're really not. That was what started in the Age of Reason, and we thought we were being very reasonable when we did that, did we not? It was very irrational, actually, but that's what we thought. And so we decided that to think our way through lives was the, our life was the best way to operate. It didn't work because you can't split yourself off that way. And so, um, Bal, somewhere back in the 60s, kids and uh, young people started saying, wait a minute, this is really ridiculous. You're not being true. We see through your lies. We, you know, the, the establishment is what they called it, set everything up to be false. It was all plastic. Didn't really matter. And so that's when people started saying, look, what's really real? What's behind that curtain? Yes, let's do look at the man behind that curtain. And so we began to do more self-assessment. And psychology had become more of a prominent uh, possibility in our in our uh, everyday endeavors. People began to go to therapy and to trust it to be more than just someplace that only the quote-unquote crazy people went. Um, and the... Uh, so people began to see that we could develop ourselves. We could sh- we could look inside of ourselves and find out what hurt, heal it, and and become wiser and stronger because of it. And that process has brought us to today. And we're going to continue that process, I'm sure, so that ten years down the road there'll be another whole way of looking at things as well. But we're in this process and moving into the age of Aquarius where. We are connecting with each other. We are being uh, more in, in tune with ourselves as we connect with each other. So the connections are more valid. We also have a lot going on that's not so valid. And we all know that Facebook and Twitter and all of this is telling us about fashion and you know who's doing what to who and who's divorcing who and who's having a baby and all that stuff. It's all about the gossip. But uh, but at the same time, there's a whole other thing going on where people are beginning to grow and change and shift, and people are becoming more spiritually aware because of that process. You cannot become more psychologically aware without also becoming more aware of a deeper nature within yourself that has to do with the deepest essential core of desire. And desire is that spiritual core. It is what makes life beautiful. It is what makes life uh, that expansive experience of experimentation in which we uh, allow ourselves to try out different things to see how that might feel. Okay, so... In that process of, of, of understanding that we come from a mixed-up society in which we're told to do the very thing that is the most harmful to us, we are told to, to put away our desires in favor of the shoulds and the ought-tos and the have-tos. What, what, we're, what we come to understand is that perhaps society is wrong. <laughs> perhaps the culture is teaching us things that aren't really good for us. And as we begin to outgrow those things and begin to look deeper, we also feel, and we need to know this is a natural feeling, that we're betraying our upbringing and our culture. We have these kind of thoughts and feelings that if we become more fully attuned to who we actually are and live into our desires more fully, that we will be betraying our culture and our family in some kind of deep-seated way. And that nags at us, and it feels a little bit like guilt and a little bit like constraint and a little bit like a prison. 
and and so we have to struggle with that in order to sort of break through, free and find out where we stand inside of ourselves. And that's a process. And it's a process of experimentation. So, okay, when we think about desire, I said a little while ago, sometimes it's hard for us to even know what our desires are. When we think about desire, the first thing we tend to think about is those deep-seated longings for example, for relationships. We have a longing for that deep abiding connection with another human being whom we can be intimate with both physically and emotionally and spiritually so that we can really share ourselves with another human being. And we really want that. We want that support and we want that uh, uh, connection that just feels like belonging. We all crave that. And that's a normal human desire. Uh, And but what we do very often is we slip into a relationship with Mr. and Ms. Wrong because, A, we're living in our identity and our identity is attracted to another identity that will uphold our identity and ours will likewise uphold theirs. But, but also because we're, we're not really attuned to what we desire, we're attuned to a desperation. There's a difference between desperation and desire. Desire can live in and be fully passionately involved with what is as well as what isn't. Uh, but but uh, desperation only clings to what isn't and demands that what is conform to it. So if I'm desperate, what I'm going to do is meet Mr. Wrong and pretend to myself that it is Mr. Right. And I'm going to get involved with Mr. Right, Mr. Wrong more and more because I need him to be Mr. Right. And if he's, the more he shows me that he's not Mr. Right, the more I'm going to try to get him to be Mr. Right. And, and the more he uh, resists my attempts to get him to be Mr. Right, the more I'm going to try to get him to be Mr. Right. And that process can go on for years. I literally see people every day who've been in that process for years, bargaining with Mr. Wrong, trying to turn him into Mr. Right, or bargaining with Miss Wrong, trying to turn her into Mr. Right, Miss Right. And whether it's gay, straight, uh, relationship, it doesn't matter. The same kind of bargains exist in both, where we're trying desperately to get what is to conform to what, what we want, when in fact it isn't there yet. And the timing for that isn't there yet because we're not evolved enough to receive that yet. So, so desire and reception, we're going to talk some more about that in, in the last part of the show. But, but for right now, I want us to look at how we can sort through but all the shoulds, ought tos, and have tos as well as all the things we mistake for desire. Okay, so shoulds, ought tos, and have tos, they don't feel like fun. <laughs> they don't feel like peace. They don't feel like uh, joy. They don't feel even like compassion. They feel like a duty. And sometimes when we do our duty, we feel like good people. I'm a good person. I did my duty. I've gotten that over with. I feel accomplished. I can brush my hands of that now. Well, that's a kind of a feeling, but it's not the same as joy. Uh, and it's not the same as compassion. It's a kind of, okay, I did what I was supposed to do today, and so I can feel good about that. Many of us live our entire lives right there, where we are stuck in, well, I feel good because I've, I've uh, done what I was supposed to do today. 
But inside, there's also this churning and burning that's saying, yeah, but I really want to be doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, but I've got this resentment about Joe Blow over here because he wants me to do these things I really don't want to do. But we keep pushing that away, pushing that away, pushing that away in favor of the shoulds, oughts, and have tos because we believe that that's what we ought to be doing. And that's a really sad way to live. It's a really unfulfilling way to live. But if we believe that, that's how we're supposed to live, we're probably going to have a fight about trying to live into desire. Something like, you're selfish if you do that. So, so when we, the way to sort that, though, if you're ready to begin the process of distinguishing between what's a should, ought to, and have to, and what's a true desire, is that true desire makes you feel alive. It makes you feel passionate. It makes you feel passion and compassion. It makes you really be involved in your life, not in in the sense of drama, but in the sense of I'm here and this is fulfilling. All right? So shoulds, ought tos, and have tos, they're not going to give you that. They are not going to give you that. So when you're in desire, you know you're feeling passionate. When you're not When you're in a should, ought to, and have to, you're not going to feel passionate. And in fact, you probably are going to feel, if you're paying attention to your feelings, you're probably going to feel some sense of conflict between the desire that tries to creep up to the surface and the should and ought to and have to that wants you to go do your loyalty. Okay, So that's how you can sort that out. You sort it out internally. Um, How do you sort it out between uh, a compulsion and a desire? Again, a compulsion is going to feel like something you really, you got to do it. You you know, it's like, I got to have another drink. I just have to. I've got to have another drink. And it's pushing you, but it doesn't give you that feeling of joy. It doesn't make you feel alive. I've heard even alcoholics say, I was bored to death with my drinking, but I kept doing it because that's what I did. It's just the compulsion drove me to keep doing it. So, you know, it's not, those compulsions aren't going to give you joy. They're not going to give you a feeling of aliveness. So again, you sort that out from the inside. Um, and the same thing is true with a, des- a desire that seems like it's, it's a real desire. I long to be the CEO of that organization, but I'm really just running from my past. Ask yourself this question, what will I have once I become the CEO? Well, I will have arrived. I will, have, I will not ever have to deal with poverty again, and nobody from my past will be able to look at me with the shame they used to look at me with. Um, I will not be ashamed of my life anymore. Well, that's not desire. That's running. And again, that desire is not going to have time to sit back and find out whether or not it gives you joy because it's going to be so driven to get past shame. Okay? So again, you look in the inside. Ask yourself some serious questions. That's how you begin to sort these things out. Um, how, How do you distinguish desire from real true desire from um from the from the the notion of yourself that you should be a certain way, my identity, in other words, I I'm I'm a good person if I. Uh, well, again, that I'm a good person if I does not come with a feeling of joy. It comes with a feeling of kind of quasi accomplishment, maybe sometimes when you're able to do it, but it doesn't come with a sense of joy. So desire is going to get you to joy. It's going to get you to 
uh, a kind of effortless joy that isn't something you have to work up in your inside of yourself. It isn't trying to affirm, I am joy, I am joy, I am joy. It's not doing that. It's just a natural, effortless kind of joy. That's what desire will bring you to. And it, it, is, it is that feeling of elation that says, I'm alive, I'm really here, this is beautiful, this is wonderful. And, and if you've been around for very long, you've had that feeling at least once in your life for something that was uh, not, ne- not necessarily something that was outside of you, but even something inside of you, or just a beautiful event, a beautiful day, a beautiful thing in nature, something like that that you really connected to and it just grabbed your attention and you were like, yes, I'm alive right now. This is really being alive. Um, so those things are, can be validated from the inside, from the inside. So that's, the, I want to talk about that, I want to talk about that piece of sorting it out. I wanted to be clear about that, although there was a very brief definition of it, but I did want to get you there at least. And, and uh, to refer you to the books that I've written, Law of Attraction and the uh, Inhabiting Heaven Now, they both talk about that as well. Um, and next, in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit, after we hear the Oprah clip, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, this thing about receiving our desires. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery? Waiting for your prince, princess to come? Even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply? And what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for tools to being outside the box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. I want to introduce you to Oprah's upcoming Soul, uh, Super Soul Sunday uh, show, May the 4th, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. ET and PT. Uh, it's called Soulmates, Love, and Marriage. Oprah's going to speak with relationship writer Tracy McMillan, author of Why You're Not Married Yet, about the spiritual path of relationships. Tracy wrote a blog called Why You're Not Married, which is one of the most viewed articles ever on the Huffington Post. Through her trademark humor, Tracy shares what she believes are the spiritual aspects of love and why our ability to love ourselves is key to loving someone else. Listen to that clip now. Sunday, her candid relationship call out sent shockwaves across social media. What I didn't know until I read that article. Author of Why You're Not Married Yet, Tracy McMillan. You say love is always spiritual. Whether you're looking for true love or a more meaningful relationship. What is the question we should be asking? The question I ask myself is... The spiritual straight talk you need to hear on the next Super Soul Sunday. All new Sunday, 11 a.m., 10 central. Only here. And right after that, don't forget to listen to or to watch Oprah and Eckhart Tolle on the New Earth. They're going to be talking about Chapter 7. Uh, the New Earth series aims to help you discover who you truly are by first helping you understand who you are not. So Oprah and Eckhart discuss an unexpected place to practice diminishment of ego on that one. So be there for that on May the 4th at 12 p.m., 1 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. And we're talking today about desire and what it is to have desire, how to sort desire out from all the other things that look like desire. And now we're going to talk a little bit about the reception of desire. So we tend to think that uh, if we're doing the right thing, we're going to have what we want. And with our older understanding of the law of attraction, we, we understood and, and the books, like, books and movies like The Secret, we understand that if we're thinking positive thoughts, we're going to get positive results the world is going to the universe is going to respond to us positively and if we're thinking negative thoughts then the the world is going to the universe is going to respond to us negatively and so what we we're acting as if the the in those ways of thinking about it we're acting as if the universe is a sort of neutral object that we can manipulate by uh, by by thinking in ways that it receives and sends back to us but actually, um, something else entirely is going on here, that we are, we are soul, and soul is the same as and one with the universe. And so reception, when we think about reception, what we're really coming down to is connecting to our deeper essential self, not necessarily thinking positive thoughts or trying to get our brains in gear to think positive so we'll never have any negative things happen to us, rather to receive what is in soul, uh, because what is is also soul, because we are one with all things. Uh, when we're when we're talking about oneness, I think it's very interesting. This thing of uh, oneness, uh, um, the Los Angeles team that uh, lost its coach, uh, its head coach, this week, um, yesterday in particular. Uh, one of the things that happened at the game last night was that they held up signs that said, we are one. 
And I just thought that was so interesting that uh, it seems that sports is going to be maybe the, the thing that actually brings us to understanding that we are actually one. Um, but the idea is that if I am one with all things, then what do I lack? The lack thinking is our problem, and we think that way because we live in the duality transtate. So we all have it. I have it. You have it. We all have it. It's not a crime to have it. It's not going to bring you terrible things to have it. We all have it. It's a part of what we're here experiencing in the duality transtate so that we can put duality to rest finally. Um, so it, uh, when we think about, oh, my gosh, I'm thinking lack. Oh, it's going to attract lack, and oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, we're 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 putting ourselves in a fear mode, which we also say we shouldn't have fear because that's a negative feeling and therefore we're going to bring negative results. This thing can go round and round, don't you see? So we need to think about reception in terms of beingness. If I am being in my beingness, then I am receiving all that my beingness is, which is oneness with all things, people, places, events, circumstances, and wealth and abundance. Um, there's... The spiritual leaders who are richest in our experience that we've brought forward into our present day, such as the Buddha, um, Krishna, and uh, the books written like the Bhagavad Gita and uh, the sutras of the uh, Sufi sutras and the Buddhist sutras and the uh, sacred texts of the Bible and things like that, those things are all telling us the same thing, that we are divine beingness. And that our desires can be fulfilled if we put that first. So that that is how we begin to receive. That we can just say, I am, um, I am the fullness of my am, my I am. I am that essential beingness. Now, I'm not saying to use that as an affirmation because affirmations, frankly, fall flat in the ter- if they're not believed. If I've got something inside of me that just doesn't believe me when I say that I'm a wealthy person, then I'm not going to believe it and it's not it's just going to lay there like a dead thing Uh, so you know we say we're going to talk ourselves into it into believing it but actually experiencing is what changes our beliefs so if i believe that i've got a water bottle here if i believe that this water bottle is too heavy for me to pick up then i'm probably not even going to try to pick it up because it's just too heavy for me to pick up right it's not why bother but if i reach out and try to pick it up and I can pick it up, then I change that belief. At least now I can say sometimes that bottle is not too heavy to pick up. So it isn't really me. I could sit here and say that bottle is not too heavy for me to pick up or uh, that body is light and easy for me to pick up. I could sit here and say that forever. But if I don't reach out and try to pick up that bottle, I'm not going to change my beliefs. So I'm not talking about affirmations. I'm talking about experience. I'm talking about the experience of life that is willing to take the risk to experiment with our own beliefs. Who am I is one of those questions that needs to be asked. Am I all those things I thought I was or am I something else? And, you know, I had someone ask me just today, how do we parent ourselves? That's ridiculous. How can a person parent themselves? Well, a person can parent themselves by being by by becoming the authentic self and allowing the authentic self to parent the identity so that the identity eventually merges with the authentic self. That's how that happens. And so the, the authentic self comes up and says, but I desire this. I want this. The identity says, oh, no, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. And the authentic self says, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to go ahead and do that, and we're going to experiment with that. So come with me. You don't have to split off from me, identity. You don't have to go away. Come with me, and we'll watch this together. And so, uh, so then we begin to receive what is. And as we receive what is, we receive more and more of what is. We're not splitting off from what is and saying, I don't want that. That's bad. I don't want that. We're saying, here's what is. What do I want to do with this? So I'm in a bad marriage, let's say. I'm in a, a marriage where I'm, let's make it really extreme. Let's say I'm getting abused. I've been trying to tolerate that. I've been telling myself that maybe it's, it's going to work out. Maybe he'll change his mind or she'll change her mind. And, I, and, you know, things will work out. It'll be all right. You know, I've been telling myself that for at least three or four years now. And, yeah, I don't think that's working. So now I'm in this bad marriage and I'm going to be with my beingness and I'm going to receive that. I'm going to say, okay, this is really not working. This is really uh, harmful to me. And I stay depressed a lot in this relationship. I feel diminished in this relationship. I feel trapped in this relationship. Whatever. Whatever I can say, I can really own that. I can receive that. Then I can say, okay, what do I really desire? Okay, well, what I really desire is to be free, to be safe, to be peaceful, and to be loved. And none of those things are happening here. So let me go over here and take a risk that perhaps I can find that somewhere else, or at least be safe. At least be safe somewhere else. At least I can have part of that until I can move toward the rest of it. So now I've, I've received what is. I've made a plan based upon my desires for what I really want, and I've gone and done something different. That is living fully into our lives. That is saying, okay, here's what my identity has created. Now what does my authenticity want to do with that? Not, I've got to square off against my identity and beat it up and beat it down. Now, now the word I use for identity, so many people call uh, ego. I don't use that term because if you've been listening to the show, you know that I believe that the ego is simply a, a liaison between the inner and outer world. It has no more power than that. To just say, oh, did you see what happened in the outer world? Oh, let me receive that in the inner world. Um, that's a healthy uh, ego, uh, 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 um, and it sorts out between outer and inner. And and so when we're talking about identity, you could use that word interchangeably with ego because a lot of people say that the ego is that enemy inside of us that wants us to do bad things. And it's the thing we have to fight against so that we can be our higher selves. Well, again, we're splitting off instead of joining if all things are one, then I am also one with my identity. I don't need to split off from it. I need to let it see what I'm, what I'm trying out. Okay, so if in my authentic self I want to try out a new relationship or I want to try getting out of this old relationship or I want to try to see if I can make more money or whatever, then, then I'm going to take that identity with me and we're going to experience that together. And so the identity then begins to change its belief system and thereby join closer to the authentic self. So anything I say in the show has nothing whatsoever to do ever with splitting off against, uh, from any part of yourself. Not ego, not identity, not badness, not negative thoughts, not any of that stuff. We're not splitting off from anything. We're allowing what is to be lovingly received by the authentic self who will then make a decision what it will do with it based upon desire. What do I really want? What is my passion for? What am I longing for? Uh, is this it? You know, 
that's the kind of questions we can be asking if we're going to receive our desires. And it's and and the more we try to split off and say, well, that's I shouldn't be thinking that, or I shouldn't be feeling that, or I, you know, that's a really a crazy thought or feeling. I shouldn't be having that. What's wrong with me? The more we're doing that, the less we're receiving, and the less we're receiving, the less we're living in desire. Because how am I going to know what it is that I really want if I can't even feel what I feel? Okay, so this whole thing about desire is so very important to spirituality. And yet, uh, for up until the past 20 years, we've been taught that desire is really a not so good thing. You're not supposed to be even desiring anything because that's selfish. In the past 20 years, what's done? we've done a complete reversal in terms of the human potential movement because we've said now we can have what we want if we think positive thoughts affirm positive things and create our vision boards correctly, we can have what we want. But actually, um, that's a bargain with the universe just as much as trying not to have what we want in the name of of, of, of the re- reasoning mind or the rational thinking that says we should live out of shoulds, ought tos, and have tos. That's just as, uh, just as untrue because it's still just a bargain with the universe. Whereas... Being in my beingness, just being me and exploring what's inside of me and being willing to experiment with what's outside of me is how I become more fully alive, more fully aware of what it is that is me and what it is that isn't genuinely me but is an identity and what is truly something I desire as opposed to something I'm just uh, – trying to fill an empty hole with or trying to uh, run from my past with or trying to be compulsive about or trying to be desperate about. Um, So um, I encourage you to read the books, uh, Inhabiting Heaven Now and The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, because in those books it talks a lot more than I've been able to talk in this short hour about desire and what it is that we are doing with desire in terms of uh, beingness in terms of the soulful energy of life. So I would encourage you to do that. And next week we're going to be talking to Mike Robbins about his latest book. will be published next week, Nothing Changes Until You Do, A Guide to Self-Compassion and Getting Out of Your Own Way. So you want to be here for that. It's going to be a great talk. Until then, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.